I've interviewed many successful people over the years, and one thing I find fascinating is many of them don't consider themselves business savvy. Take the owners of Tight Knit Brewing. They turn to Chase for Business for everything from banking and payment acceptance to credit cards and do all of it in one place with the Chase mobile app. And that's helped these brew-loving friends turn a passion into a business. Learn more at chaseforbusiness.com. Make more of what's yours. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank, N.A., member FDIC. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is accelerating innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count for your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hi. If you're liking other people's pockets, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen and tell a friend about it. It really helps our show. Just because you're blind does not mean you can't live this full and adventurous life. It doesn't mean that you have to sit on the sidelines and do nothing. You can go out and have fun and play with your friends and be a kid. My guest today, Kyle Kuhn, is a blind Paralympian triathlete who currently lives and trains at the Olympic Training Center in Colorado as part of Team USA. Kyle was diagnosed with a type of eye cancer at 10 months old and went through years of chemotherapy before having his eyes removed at age six. His blindness, though, didn't stop him from becoming a competitive rock climber, downhill skier, runner, and triathlete. He revealed how personal finance is different as a blind person and what it means financially to rest almost all your hopes on winning a medal in the Paralympic Games in Paris 2024. I'm Maya Lau, and this is Other People's Pockets, the show where I ask people how much they make and how their finances work, so the questions we all have about money can be a little bit less of a mystery. Kyle Kuhn, thank you so much for joining Other People's Pockets. Maya, thanks so much for having me. It's, uh, it's a pleasure. I've been enjoying the show as a fan and really uh, appreciate you having me on as, as a guest now. Of course. So can you just identify yourself? Like, who are you and what are you into? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, where do you want me to start? <laughs> no, that's a good, good question. So my name is Kyle Kuhn, and I am a totally blind Paralympian author, podcaster, and professional speaker. Um, so I lost my sight when I was six years old 
due to a rare form of eye cancer called retinoblastoma. So I, I've grown up the last 25 or so years being totally blind and eventually found my way to a sporting life and have been pursuing the sport of triathlon at a uh, quote-unquote professional level for the last uh, four or five years. And um, when you're a professional athlete, especially on the Paralympic side of, of things, you tend to get involved in a lot of other areas, uh, particularly speaking and podcasting and writing and all of this stuff. So I like to have my, uh, my fingers in many different honeypots. Nice. <laughs> How old are you? Uh, so I will be 32 later this year. Nice. Tell me about your journey. What was life growing up like and how did that lead to being a professional athlete? <laughs> so like I said earlier, I, like when I was six years old, I lost my sight. And like you can imagine as a six-year-old, I can't remember. I don't know if you have kids yourself. Um, I do. I have a three-year-old. Yeah. So like, you know, imagine your three-year-old all of a sudden has their sight taken away from them at age four or five or, or six years old after going through this battle with cancer from the time you were about a year old. And that's a really scary thing. So like, I was an adventurous kid. I, I loved rollerblading, playing basketball, riding my bike, all this different stuff. You know, When I woke up and I'm now totally blind, I was, I was like, how am I going to do any of this? How am I even just going to live, live life, have fun, play with my friends, any of that kind of stuff? And I was very fortunate that my dad was involved with Rotary International. He was part of a Rotary Club. And one of the people that came to speak at that Rotary Club was a gentleman named Ed Weinmare. And Ed came to speak about his son, Eric, who happened to be a totally blind adventure athlete. Um, so my dad got in touch with Ed and Ed arranged for Eric and I to meet. And so Eric came to my hometown of Jacksonville and we, uh, we sat down and had a, had a little chat and Eric basically just told me like, Hey, just because you're blind does not mean you can't live this full and adventurous life. It doesn't mean that you have to sit on the sidelines and do nothing you can go out and have fun and play with your friends and be a kid. And so Eric actually challenged me to try rock climbing. And it was something that intrigued me. And so I, I think I was like seven or eight years old when I first went and jumped on a rock wall and fell in love with it. My entire family got involved in, in climbing and that you know spiraled into, we started going camping and hiking and driving all over the Southeast to try and find awesome rock climbs. And we eventually traveled out to Colorado to learn to ski and um, have family adventures and all that. And that adventurous lifestyle that my, my family kind of lived allowed me to just keep pushing the envelope, pushing boundaries. And I got some really cool opportunities, you know, through, through being a rock climber, a skier, a you know, also just through being connected with, you know, Eric Weinmare got the chance to start um, telling my story a little bit to Rotary clubs and schools and got the opportunity to go hiking and climbing in Peru, climbing in, in Africa. It just had this adventurous life growing up. And 
eventually got to college and just continued pushing my boundaries in, a, in an academic sense. And then eventually got to where I, I graduated from college and struggled finding employment because even though I had this mindset of living my life without limits, I, I had all of these really cool, amazing experiences. I had already been on national television a couple of times. At that point, I had stood on stage and spoken in front of hundreds and sometimes thousands of people as a motivational speaker. Now I'm this 21-year-old college graduate, and I was venturing into a world that really was not designed with people who are blind or visually impaired in mind. And when you grow up having this, this life without limits mindset and being a talented climber, wrestler, skier, all these different athletic pursuits that I'd had, you get pretty arrogant and thinking that, you know, you're hot shit. <laughs> so I was your classic millennial. I thought I was hot shit. And I said, I'm going to apply for every job CEO and above, um, <laughs> which I quickly found did not work. You were diagnosed with a form of eye cancer called bilateral sporadic retinoblastoma at 10 months old. Correct. Do you remember being a baby or a toddler and what vision was like for you at that point? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm really, really fortunate that my left eye was removed when I was five years old. So I had five years of, of sight in both eyes. And I I definitely very clearly remember color. I remember watching television. I remember looking at picture books. I remember learning my, my print and braille alphabet at the same time um, as a toddler, all of that stuff. So I, I don't know what perfect 2020 vision is because I was technically legally blind basically from the time I was diagnosed. And so like, I had these extremely thick like bubble glasses. Uh, I, I, I'm pretty sure my glasses were on the thin side, probably half an inch thick. And on the thicker side, probably we're getting close to like a three quarters of an inch to an inch thick at times. So I was definitely that, that kid running around with big nerdy bubble glasses on, but that was just normal for me. I didn't know any different. What do you remember about what you could see? And does that impact you as an athlete now? Um, for me, yeah, it definitely impacts my spatial awareness now. I'm a lot more confident in my movements and my spatial awareness than if I had not been able to see at all. So like I could see well enough where, you know, I could play basketball in the driveway with my friends and I could judge distance and depth up to a certain point. So now as an athlete, I'm definitely not as fluid as, you know, an athlete that has perfect 20-20 vision, but my body and spatial awareness, because I have that past depth perception and, and that past experience with sight, certainly lends me some confidence in my abilities. And sometimes that's a good thing. Sometimes uh, I, should, I should be a little bit more cautious. I mm. have many, many scars to, to prove <laughs> that. <laughs> You mentioned you had mentors who 
inspired you that you could go and have an adventurous life as a blind person. Mm-hmm. Did your mentors also guide you in what the economic realities are of being a person who's blind? It's interesting, you know, because I would say my biggest economic mentor was hands down my dad. Um, you know, my dad and, and my mom never shied away from um, talking to my sisters and me about money. You know, it was a very important thing in our family, um, especially since we didn't have a lot of money. And my sisters... Wait, talk to me about that. Um, so my dad graduated from high school just so that he could join the, join the Marine Corps right out of high school. Um, spent six years in the in the Marines and um, actually wound up going to work for my mom's dad and he was a he was employed as a as a janitor initially just to to, to make ends meet and you know then my dad worked his way up and my grandpa found ways of utilizing my dad's skills that he had learned in the military to teach him business and all that and my dad kind of worked his way up over a couple of years in my grandfather's company. But then when I was diagnosed, it was cancer treatment and especially experimental cancer treatment a lot of the time. It's unfortunately not all of our insurance covered that. And so Mm -hmm. um, we were fortunate that our extended family helped out where they could. But at the same time, my mom and dad are, you know, we're, we're very you know, they, they, they were like, look, this is our situation and we need to, we need to learn how to manage this and we're not going to accept charity. Like when we need it, we'll take the help we can get, but we're going to pay it back. And so there were definitely times growing up that my parents had to, you know, make decisions of, all right, do we pay the telephone bill this month or do we, uh, do we use air conditioning in the sweltering heat of Florida? So there were definitely those elements, but eventually from those lessons growing up, my sisters and I learned that you got to be grateful for what you have and you got to be thoughtful and, and frugal, but that doesn't mean you're stuck. Just because you don't have money right now does not mean you're going to ha- not have money down the line. And so my dad proved that to us um, with some you know, incredible business decisions and helping to grow some companies that um, brought our family out of medical debt and into that middle to upper middle class lifestyle. Do you have any sense of how much medical debt your parents had due to your condition? Um, I don't know the exact number. Um, It's not something that my parents ever told me specifically. I do know that you know, my right eye was removed in 1998, and I know that we didn't get cable television, I think, until 2005, and it was really about 2004, 2005 that my parents started to loosen up a little bit on, like, you can't order soda mm, right. when we go out to dinner. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, like, it, it took... the. It, took a while. It took five, six, seven years to climb out of that hole. Yeah. And you mentioned graduating from college and trying mm-hmm. to find jobs. What What is it like to find try to find a job as a person who's blind? It's hard. I'm not going to lie. Look, being someone who is totally blind, 
it is hard. Um, you know, technology is incredible. So growing up, I was using stuff called a, like a, it's called a screen reader um, technology. So it was a computer program that was installed on my laptop or my desktop where I could use keystrokes, um, you know, and, and key navigation to look for job postings and all that. But especially back in 2013, 2014, accessibility was not top of mind for a lot of companies. So sometimes I would try to hit enter or click on a link and it didn't work. Um, or I, you know, pop-ups would come up and I couldn't close it out. And so I would have to completely exit out of the browser, clear the browser, go back in and spend time trying to find it all, all again. Um, the harder part was the transportation side of things. And, you know, so at the time I was living in Orlando, Florida, and I, I used public transportation. I used paratransit. I was not yet on the smartphone train. So I was using just a, I think it was like a Motorola flip phone or something like that. Uber didn't exist. Lyft didn't exist, mm-hmm. you know, any, any of that for me. And it wasn't like I could just get in my car, drive around and walk into a restaurant and apply to be a waiter or a dishwasher or a bag boy mm-hmm. or something like that. Everything had to be set up far in advance. You know, it was either mm-hmm. calling ahead or trying to apply through the internet and then setting up transportation or um, trying to call and arrange transportation with you know, friends or family or you know, former fellow students or something along those lines. And so there was a lot of reliance um, and, and, it, and it, it was hard because I wanted to be independent. And obviously, mm-hmm. you know, you know, post-college, I'm putting a lot of stuff on my credit cards and not bringing in any money whatsoever. So it was, it was very challenging mentally and emotionally more than anything. You know, now looking back and being a you know smartphone user, you know having more confidence and a lot more knowledge about life and work and all these kind of things in general. You know, if I had known now what I knew then, I don't think I would be out of work for a year or more. <laughs> um, but it's one of those things that I had to learn the hard way, and my parents made the choice and the decision. They said, look, you can move home, but you're not staying in your old room and you're not freeloading off of us. You got to earn it. So it it was either move back home and- And home was where? Home was Jacksonville, Mm -hmm. Florida at Mm -hmm. the time. Um, And I was was living in Orlando with my partner at the time. Um, And so I was very much of the mindset that I wanted to- I wanted to, you know, be uh, independent. independent yeah. Why, you know, you know, mom and dad don't know, you know, don't know anything, and classic yeah. early twenties. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah. You can find inspiring stories almost anywhere. For instance, check out the co-founders of Girls Who Do Interiors. This Miami-based design company was started by three friends when they were still in school. And right from the start, they turned to Chase for Business for everything from banking and payment acceptance to credit cards. And they handled them all in one place with the Chase mobile app. It's so important to have that kind of help when you're just starting out. Learn more at chaseforbusiness.com. 
Make more of what's yours. Chase Mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. JP Morgan Chase Bank NA member FDIC. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is Accelerating Innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. And so now, how do you make money as a Paralympian? <laughs> uh, yeah, so I should say that eventually I did land a quote-unquote traditional job. I actually started out working in a call center that specifically employed people who were blind or visually impaired. And then through learning that industry and all that, I found my way into working for the overarching nonprofit that organized that call center. Um, and then that call center and that organization often had tours that came through. And I was actually hired away by the Department of the Navy to work in corporate operations for a, for a short time, mm. um, for about a year and wound up deciding that federal government work was not for me. And I was going through a rough time in my personal life. And uh, my family had actually all moved from Florida to Colorado at that point. And so I decided that I was going to, uh, quote unquote, throw in the towel and do a, a big life change. And so I moved um, to Colorado and rented a room from my parents. And we had a, a family friend that owned a small restaurant. And I started mm. working for him. Um, I worked for him for a couple of years. And I started picking up little freelance writing gigs, you know, writing either people's professional biographies mm. or mm -hmm. um, writing blog posts or a whole book or like a, a bio for a bio for like a website, whether it was a, a like a full one page bio or like a six to right. eight sentence little blurb that you could stick in a brochure yeah. or, a, yeah. or a program or something like that. So I, I did, you know, little things like that. And I had gotten into triathlon um, in 2015, just as a distraction you know, I had a lot of time on my hands in, you know, in Colorado when I wasn't working at the restaurant or writing. So I was 
on my bike trainer or on my treadmill or at the gym swimming. I was just honestly, I was just posting up all the stuff that I was doing on social media. And actually what wound up happening was like a company that um, my dad had helped build and grow to a national brand. Um, the marketing director reached out to me directly and was like, dude, like you're doing some cool stuff. Would you like to continue doing all that stuff, but I'll pay you to tag Bubba Burger in all of your social media posts. And you know, maybe you, you wear a bike jersey with the Bubba Burger logo on your ride. Meaning and, they would be your sponsor. Exactly. So I, so that was, I was. Wait, like, and so this is the same burger place where you had started working? No. So Bubba. Oh, okay. Sorry. No. So Bubba Burger is a, it's a frozen burger that is in the, oh, you, know, okay. you get in the grocery store and um, we arranged a sponsorship deal. And so that, that paid me a, a decent livable wage where I could. What was a decent livable wage? Um, I was making about $30,000 $30, a year. And there's still a sponsor for you? Yep. So they're still, uh, they're, they're my longest sponsor. And do they still pay you the same amount or? I get the same amount, but the big thing was that I got health insurance through them. So while they, while I'm technically a mm. quote unquote sponsored athlete, I am part of the marketing team and the marketing department. So I, I do some stuff with Facebook and Instagram and get people involved with the company, with the product, get people interested in the product to be a spokesperson for the company. So so my salary is $35,000 a year with health insurance. Mm -hmm. Do you make additional money as an athlete from other sources? So I have, I have other sources of income. The other large part of my income comes from USA Triathlon, and that is a year-to-year -year contract, but I have to earn that each year by hitting certain performance markers. Okay. Um, and how much do they pay you? Um, right now, I'm on the USA Triathlon A-team, which pays $20,000 a year. Okay. So... I moved to the Olympic Apparel and Training Center at the beginning of 2019. And, and do you have to pay time, to live there or do they... They provide uh, room and board at the training oh. center. That, okay. That's so a, in addition to the 20K. Yeah. So I get, I, get, I get free room and board, which is amazing. Here's the thing though. I didn't hit any of the performance markers to get onto the USA Triathlon national team until 2021. Because our national team is actually very difficult to make. You have to basically be one of the best three athletes in the mm. world, and you have to finish within certain time configurations of the winner's time at certain races, at world championships, and all of these things. So like when I went to the Paralympics in 2021, I was actually not on uh, a national team, and I actually made the national C team at the Paralympic Games. Mm. And then um, three months later at world championships, I was able to level up to B team. And then in 2022, I hit the performance markers to, to get up to A team. So I, I'm funded by USA Triathlon through the end of 2023 as a national A team member, but I have to hit those performance markers again to receive funding in 2024. Mm -hmm. So if I don't hit any of those performance markers, that $20,000 goes poof. 
is it considered like because we're paying you this, your full time job all day, every day is to train or what is your your job on a daily basis? I mean, my job on a daily basis is to train. We're in a an elite sport. It's a results oriented business. And in order to compete and have those results at the highest level, I train probably 20 to 30 hours of actual swimming, biking, running, and strength training. I, I you know, I, upwards of 20 to 30 hours a week. And then in addition to that, I still have to do uh, things like soft tissue work, physical therapy, mm-hmm. stretching, mobility, all, all of the other stuff that doesn't include the swimming, the biking, mm-hmm. the running, and the lifting weights. And so when you actually total it up, it's a 40-hour-a-week job. Yeah. And then you're <laughs> um, also able to do your podcast and like you can do other things that you want to do. Yep. Yep. So I'm, in, I'm technically an mm-hmm. independent contractor with USA Triathlon, so I could do my podcast. I released my book two years ago. You know, it's a small source of income. And then I also do professional speaking. So I, um, companies and organizations will reach out to me or I reach out to companies and organizations and promote myself as a speaker because a lot of the lessons that I've learned through being an elite athlete and being a you know someone who's totally blind mm-hmm. they they apply directly to to business mm-hmm. um, they apply to life you know everyone can learn from the lessons that that I have learned over the course of my life and so that's another source of income for me at least And so how much do you make doing all that other stuff like books and podcasts and, you know, promoting yourself? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The podcast is uh, brand spanking new. So that's actually making no money right now. And, and I'm still learning the ins and outs of the podcast world. I've been a guest on plenty of podcasts, but being a podcast host, it's totally different. So still learning those ropes. Um my book, eh, I mean, it brings in maybe a thousand to two thousand dollars a year because you know, with a book, you got to be constantly promoting mm-hmm. it. Um, and so, what I so what I actually wind up doing is I wind up packaging any speaking events that I do, especially in person speaking events. I I wind up packaging my book into my speaking fee, mm-hmm. and so um, yeah, so that's it's a very easy way to have fifty or a hundred books be bought and then that way the audience is going away with with something in mm-hmm. hand as well um, and then for my speaking it largely depends but my standard virtual presentation is about twenty five hundred dollars for a one hour keynote uh, then my in-person speaking I generally charge about ten thousand mm-hmm. dollars for an in-person event it takes a lot of time and investment on my part to mm-hmm. travel. There's a lot of time that is is lost for training purposes. Um, and so that value, you know, that I could very easily lose, you know, a day of training just traveling to an event. So I generally have to be pretty picky with with the events that I do. Um, any speaking events that I that I do, I try to have them be outside of the triathlon season. Mm-hmm. So the triathlon season generally runs from about March to September, but that's just the racing season. So I like to have eight weeks leading into the first race of the year to 
build my base back and, and all of that. So if I do any in-person speaking events, it can sometimes be concentrated into that like October, November, December time frame. So it's a narrow window, at least for right now, while I'm still competing as a, as a full-time athlete post 2024 Paralympic Games. That'll mm-hmm. probably change a little bit, um, open up my speaking calendar a little bit more, take a step back from being a, a full-time mm-hmm. athlete and start to you know, pursue more of the speaking side of mm. things, maybe grow my podcast a little bit more, you know, release a second book, all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. So there's other opportunities out there. But I would say, you know, I can't, I, I'm not sure exactly sure how much money I made last year, but I think I made like, Twenty or twenty-five thousand in speaking mm. event um, from from speaking fees last year. So I think I made like seventy or eighty thousand dollars last year and with everything. So yeah, with total with with everything. But there's a lot of expenses with paying for hotels and but like all, all that, that stuff so. to, for competing is that not covered? It's like not you all have to covered. Pay for that? So USA Triathlon oh. covers three races a year. So oh, okay. and we generally race five to eight five to seven times a year. So the rest of the time I'm covering that. And then in addition to that, I generally, what I do is I cover my guide's expenses as well. So mm. I'm generally, so I'll pay my plane ticket plus my guides. You can find inspiring stories almost anywhere. For instance, check out the co-founders of Girls Who Do Interiors. This Miami-based design company was started by three friends when they were still in school. And right from the start, they turned to Chase for Business for everything from banking and payment acceptance to credit cards. And they handled them all in one place with the Chase mobile app. It's so important to have that kind of help when you're just starting out. Learn more at chaseforbusiness.com. Make more of what's yours. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank, N.A. member FDIC. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is Accelerating Innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today 
at purdueglobal.edu. So do you also have savings? Um, I do have, I do have savings. I... How much do you have? <laughs> um, so th- I have a, let's see, I have a 401k, but I think I have like fifteen or $20,000 in there. I think I have fifty dollars or $60,000 between a Roth IRA and an investment account, but like I don't touch those. So you mentioned after the 2024 Paralympic Games that you might switch gears, you might focus more on speaking. Are you are you saying like after that point you're probably not going to be training and competing in the same way that you are and what's what's your financial life looking like going forward, do you think? You know, it, it's I don't know. <laughs> you know, if um yeah, I mean, no, none of us sure. none like, of us none know. Of us, none of us really <laughs> but, know. But um yeah. But yeah, no, like, you know, right now I've, I've been very fortunate that Bubba has been a, a super supportive sponsor and partner for the last five or six years. But, you know, once I'm done competing, I would like to stay on with the company and maybe grow my role in a more traditional sense. But as far as like the speaking, and it's not unreasonable that if I, you know, I, I am considered a Paralympic medal contender in for Paris. You know, if I get a Paralympic medal, I can raise my speaking fee quite a bit. Mm. And if I then can put more time and effort into finding the right corporate partners and all of that. And, you know, if I can get 10 to 20 speaking engagements a year at anywhere from twelve dollars to $15,000 an engagement, that's a pretty good lifestyle. That would be about one hundred twenty to two hundred thousand dollars a year before taxes and all that. That'd be yeah. That's not a bad. But I mean, that's so much pressure that like you're trying to meddle not only because you want to and you're an athlete, but also like for your financial future. Like, what is it dealing with the pressure of like, for whatever reason, you might not meddle, and so then what? Or how do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, pressure is a privilege. Mm-hmm. You know, I, at least that's the way. I look at it. Um, I could have stayed in corporate operations with the Navy, and if I had done that, I'd, I'd probably be making, I'd probably easily be making six figures right now. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to live the values that I had been raised with. Um, I didn't want to just make money to make money. I wanted to be of value. I wanted to pursue something that I loved and was passionate about, and. Turns out that triathlon and being an athlete representing my country on the on the highest sporting mm-hmm. stage there is that's it's a huge honor and a huge yeah. huge privilege. But yeah, it's there's definitely pressure. So what what have you learned? Like, what do you think that you're good at that maybe sighted people aren't as good at? Um, So one of the things that I have to do is I have to be good at planning. I do have to be good. Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh, There's not not a whole lot of winging. There's there's not a whole lot of winging. (laughs) And like, I I, I have to be prepared. Preparation and discipline are so key in my life. Like if I want to go to a grocery store, I have to plan that. Like I have to plan that in advance. I have to line up because, you know, whether I'm, whether I'm arranging, 
an Uber, a Lyft, or a ride from a, a friend or something along those lines, I have to make sure that all my ducks are, are in a row. There's not a whole lot of like going out and just walking around and exploring a new a new town or a new place or something <laughs> like that. Let's go get lost in this new foreign yeah. city. You mentioned technologies earlier that, mm-hmm. you know, things have advanced a lot in your lifetime, in our lifetime. What are some technologies that really make your life better? Uh, I mean, for me personally, I mean, my iPhone is basically an extension of my hand. Smartphone technology is, I could argue, is probably been one of the biggest game changers for people who are blind or visually impaired. I know it has been for me. I am able to send text messages, read You're emails. On Instagram, I'm on Instagram, Twitter, Twitter YouTube, I mean, YouTube uh, yeah. LinkedIn, you know, all, all of this stuff. And, and certainly there are limitations. I'm sure if, if you browse through my Instagram enough, you're going to you know, find a lot of photos with half of my face in them, you know, for me trying to take a selfie or something like that, or the orientation of a video is wrong. Yeah, but that's life as a, as a blind person, like the imperfections. But, but yeah, I would say for, for me, my, my iPhone has been the biggest game changer. There are apps and, um, and stuff out there that, that I haven't even tapped into yet that, that make life so much easier. There are apps out there you can log on and you can request someone to to help you out. Like if you're trying to pick out a, a piece of clothing and you don't know if these shorts are plaid or this is going to match with that or anything along those lines, and there's someone on the other end of that connection can assist you with that. And that's just that's just one example. And the improvements in screen reading technology, um, like my iPhone, my Mac, all of that has built in screener technology now, which is mm-hmm. awesome. And if you were an inventor and you could wave your magic fairy wand and create some technology that doesn't exist yet that would help you, what would it be? I would speed up the process of self-driving technology and I would uh, pull every single mm. um, human out of the driver's seat of a car and I would just have self-driving vehicles and mm-hmm. self-driving technology mm-hmm. because if and when that happens that's going to open up a whole new realm of possibilities. So maybe I will be mm-hmm. able to be more spontaneous and be like, you know what, I'm going to hop in my little self-driving vehicle right here and, and go to the grocery store because I, I need to get something. And it's, it's only going to take me 30 minutes, not an hour and a half between calling the Uber and waiting for the Uber, then arguing with the Uber driver that, yes, my guide dog is allowed to get in your vehicle and <laughs> all, all of mm-hmm. that. So, right. Um, yeah. So, so yeah. yeah. So, I, you know, I, I would speed up the process of uh, self-driving technology. And I am, I'm guilty of this, of not writing alt text. Like if I mm-hmm. post an Instagram photo, posting like text that describes to somebody who can't mm-hmm. see it like what is in the photo i will say i'm guilty of not doing that at all oh, I but mean, like, I'm, I'm, um, I'm guilty of can it you too. Just, I mean, I, can you <laughs> good 90 <laughs> percent i was actually just looking at your instagram and like you yeah, don't exactly. have all text yeah well, i mean most of, of that though is, is like you know i i, I I'll, I'll admit it i'm lazy <laughs> i'm lazy Wait, can you can you describe what alt text sure. is and how it helps yeah, so, you? So alt text alt text basically describes what is in an image on a screen. Uh, so whether you're on a social media platform, whether that be Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, on a website, you can go in and you can describe 
what is in that photo. So whether you know you can mm-hmm. you can say you know this is a photo of a mountain with clouds behind it, the sky is blue and it, the sun is setting in the background, or, or, and pe- and some people can get super descriptive with it. Actually, for me, the number one benefit is I can actually experience part of the joys of those social media platforms, which is scrolling through and knowing what people are posting photos of. But then the the benefit yeah. to the poster is that it actually does improve your SEO and all of that. Yeah. What's your net worth? Uh, right now, I think my net worth is probably around $150,000. How are personal finances different for people who are blind? <sighs> I'm trying to think of how to how to explain this. So like the IRS W-9 form is technically not accessible. Mm. I have to print it off and then go to someone and have them help me fill in my social security number, sign it, date it, all that kind of stuff. So Mm. there's still a lot of reliance on people. And then I have to build in a lot of things like, okay, like if I'm traveling, it's not a matter of traveling as cheaply as possible. Mm-hmm. What is more valuable? Getting there efficiently and quickly and paying a little bit more money mm-hmm. or traveling as cheaply as possible mm-hmm. and potentially, you know, have have more headaches. So I, I wind up paying for a lot more direct flights or flights with one stop or, or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. So so my travel expenses can be a little bit more expensive. And then Factoring in things like transportation costs, um, I recognize that people want to help, but at the same time, I don't want to take that help for granted. So, so I make an effort to, to, if I take someone out to dinner or lunch or something along those lines, I make sure to pick up the tab because it's you know, hey, thanks for helping me out. So, one of the things that like my girlfriend and I are, are looking at is like when we decide where we have to mm. factor in that we're both totally blind, we can't live 30 miles away from the nearest bus stop. What does enough look like to you? Oh, man. That's a hard question because I don't know what enough looks like to me because it seems to change on a year in, year out. But like right now. If I can find the right balance of cash flow and all that that allows me to live a nice comfortable life where my partner and I can travel and we don't have to worry if if we're going to be making rent this month and then we can have money left over to give to charities or give money to friends or family that may need a hand up if they come into a a, a tough situation then we want to be in that position to do that. Kyle, thank you so much for being on Other People's Pockets. It was really fun talking to you. Oh my gosh, this was this was a, a blast. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to Other People's Pockets. If you like the show, please tell a friend and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Word of mouth and reviews really help us out. Other People's Pockets is written and hosted by me, Maya Lau. It's produced by me along with Joy Sanford and Dan Gallucci. Production help from Angela Vang. 
Our executive producers are me, along with Jane Marie and Dan Gallucci. A special thanks to Alt Text. Other People's Pockets is a co-production of Pushkin Industries and Little Everywhere. To find more Pushkin podcasts, listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love this show, consider subscribing to Pushkin Plus, offering bonus content and ad-free listening across our network for $4.99 a month. Look for the Pushkin Plus channel on Apple Podcasts or at pushkin.fm. And you can sign up for Pushkin newsletters at pushkin.fm. Find me on Twitter at Maya Lau or on Instagram and TikTok at It's Maya Money. And one more thing we would love to hear from you. Tell us, when was the last time you scored a deal? Like when you paid less than what you needed for something, be it a jacket or college, and when you felt like you kind of won financially? Leave us a voicemail at 323-540-4255. That's 323-540-4255. Or record a voice memo and send it to otherpeoplespockets at gmail.com. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Nobody wants to outlive their money, but it happens, especially for women. That's why Gainbridge offers the Parity Flex annuity, designed for women's unique retirement needs, with flexible withdrawals plus a guaranteed lifetime income benefit that keeps paying you even if your account balance is zero. Gainbridge is helping build a better financial future for women. Retirement income you can't outlive is the ultimate flex. Start saving now at Gainbridge.io. Visit Gainbridge.io slash ParityFlex for current rates, full product disclosures and disclaimers, and other important information.